Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Wick Realty. Wick helped me buy and sell a home twice now, and that home just happens to be where I record most of these podcast episodes and do all the writing for Brick and Elm, my print magazine. In a city filled with realtors and real estate companies, WIC truly is one of the best. They're invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people. So if you're buying or selling, if you're building, if you're looking for investment property, even if you're a first-time homeowner, talk to Katie Wick or one of her outstanding agents. That's wickrealty.com, W-I-E-C-K. And as part of this podcast's partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I also want to give a podcast shout out to Amarillo National Bank, located online at anb.com, and to Deidre Dixon's branding agency, Walcott Studio. You can learn more about them at walcottstudio.com. Today's guest is Larry Borger. Larry is the owner-operator of Maxwell's Pumpkin Farm, which does big business here in the Texas Panhandle, starting in September and lasting, of course, all the way through October. If you've ever been there, you know it's a lot more than just a pumpkin patch. I've always been fascinated with seasonal businesses like this one, and it was it was just really fun to have the opportunity to sit down with Larry and hear the Maxwell's origin story, especially what it looks like to run a business that only makes money a few weeks out of the year. I mean, Larry definitely works more than those few weeks. So this one was a lot of fun. Here's Larry Borger. Larry Borger, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Yes, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to have you. Um, this is the right time of year, I think, to have you on the show. Uh, and, and I want, before we get to any of that stuff, I want to start the same way I do with all of my guests, and that's to ask you how you ended up in this area in the first place. So what brought you or your family to Amarillo? Okay, of course, I grew up in Amarillo, lived here my whole life, so went to yeah, I went to Coronado Elementary right. and Austin Middle School and Tascosa High School. So so basically after college, I just came home and okay. been here ever since. Where did so, you go for college? So I went to, went here my first year, went to Emerald College, and it was kind of interesting. Um, for whatever reason, my parents never really talked about college much, and we didn't really go visit. So here I graduated from high school, and all my buddies were going off wherever, and I was like, well— I guess I'll stay here and go to AC for a year and then figure out what. So that's what I did. Went to Emerald College and and uh, and then ended up going to Abilene Christian my right. sophomore year and and spent three years at Abilene Christian. Just loved it. Made some great lifelong friends that I still keep in touch with. And so that's where I ended up there. Graduated from Abilene Christian in 1983. All right. So. What was your plan? What was the career plan at that point? So my... my you can't major in pumpkin farm. I, I know. So <laughs> every year people will ask me, well, how in the world did you get into pumpkin farming? And so I'll say, well, the first thing you got to do is go down to Abilene Christian and get a finance degree. Right. So that's what you do. That, and then it That's just the traditional of, step. Just kind of falls into place from there. So yeah, I didn't really know. My brother had a company called Turnkey Leasing Corporation and kind of had an idea that I might go to work with him and... And in that business, when I got out, so I ended up getting a finance degree. Really didn't probably spend as much time thinking about what I might want to study in college. And uh, but anyway, it's worked out. God's taken care of me, and it's just kind of 
this is kind of really my third career, the pumpkin farm. So, so we can talk about the other two if you want to. Yeah, but, let's let's do that. Tell me, tell me what you ended up doing then. You know, once you graduated from Abilene Christian, I mean, did did you intend to return to Amarillo? Or so, really had plans? plans probably to come back here, and I kind of did an internship with my brother the summer before I grad for my senior year. And and then yeah, just kind of decided then that that was something I enjoyed doing, and and uh, basically just a finance company, and and uh, so came back and went to work with him right out of, after I graduated, and yeah, did did finance stuff, used my degree there mm-hmm. for a little while, and and we ended up turnkey leasing kind of started the ball rolling on what's now La Paloma. We were involved in that development and and built that front nine holes. And, okay. And so that transitioned me into uh, building houses. All right. So so I did that for 11 years and basically just in that Tascosa Golf Club area, what's now Tascosa Golf Club. And uh, so most of the houses I built, with just a few exceptions, were right in that area. Uh, had a little office right there and was selling lots and, and doing that. Enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just sort stuff. of an independent company and with just you or? just me right. uh, just far as the building now there was a limited partnership that was involved in the big picture okay. developing and and building the golf course and selling the lots but yeah the building was just me i was real involved in the texas panhandle builders association and had several homes in the parade of homes through the years and what time period was that so that would have been um that project started in about 86 okay and did that till about 1997 Okay. And um, things had kind of changed out there, and basically we we ended up, I uh, had to kind of make a decision, do I want to keep building houses all over town right. or do something different? So there's a good friend at church named Bill Johnson. He's passed away now and just a great guy. He started Amberwood Park between Amarillo and Canyon. I've seen it, yeah. So been, been there since the, oh gosh, the early 80s, I guess, is kind of when that started. So anyway, got to visiting with him. I had no, I'd never had a rent house one and mm-hmm. and uh, ended up jumping all in. And I did that for 11 years. So just rented those houses and, and, and had our own little utility company for water and wastewater. And, and anyway, it's a great learning experience. I could write a book about that segment of my life, but it was, it was interesting. We did good, had some good people working and, Tried to take care of those houses and just keep them rented and and yeah it was it was a great challenge and enjoyed it and and really that's kind of when the I got involved in the farming because that land where the where the pumpkin farm is now uh, came with Amberwood Park yeah when right I, back when I, behind it right yes well it's to the to the north okay north okay. and uh, so that's where I really kind of got into farming a little bit was was when I bought Amberwood Park. And um, anyway, every career I've done so far, like the building houses I did for 11 years, mm-hmm. and then transitioned into the Amberwood Park, did that for 11 years. Well, now this is the 14th year for our Maxwell's Pumpkin Farm, so this is the longest thing I've done, I guess, <laughs> since I've been out of school. But it's kind of interesting how God directs your paths and and, and um, never know where your yeah. God will lead you. But well. So I, I'm trying to um, trying to wrap my mind around the you know the shifts in your career and the the knowledge that you have to gain because obviously being in the finance world doesn't mean you're going to be a good builder. Being a builder doesn't mean you're going to be a good property manager all the time. 
and then property management doesn't naturally lead into farming. Um, so, so tell me how, like when you make these big shifts, how do you kind of ramp up and figure out, okay, now I'm going to do something new. What do I need to learn? How, how do I, you know, get this skill set in place? Well, as far as the, of course, right out of school, everything you're, you, yeah, you, you don't know, anything, you don't know right? anything. Yeah. I mean, you've looked at books for four years and maybe learned something, but, but till you get in the real world and kind of just jump in, you know, and of course my brother was a great mentor and, and, and helped me through that part. Construction during during summers growing up, I worked for a framer, so I've okay. been kind of so around some experience around construction a little bit. So uh, even my parents would tell you when I was growing up, I was always building something, just a little playhouse or a doghouse or something. I was just always interested in messing with tools and building things. So I always had that kind of interest in that. I think so, but uh, you know, it's the kind of deal. Uh, thinking back. So many great people that just help you along the way. You know, don't be afraid to ask questions. People that have done it for years are more than willing to help you. Mm-hmm. And so I remember the very first house I built there on St. Andrews in yep. La Paloma. I mean, it was a two-story house, difficult house, a winding staircase. I mean, unbelievable project for a guy that had never built a house yeah. before. So, you know, you just get with the... Uh, Guys, Joe Norman, I don't know, uh, he just passed away. I went to his funeral uh, last week. Hmm. Guys like that that just kind of took me under their wing and have been doing it for years and and then just kind of learn from there, learn from those guys that have been doing it. And once you've done it a time or two, you just catch on. And, and uh, I think over that 11-year period, I built 30-something houses, and they were all just pretty good-sized houses and and uh, anyway, it was a great challenge and learned a, learned a ton. What was the market like during those years? I mean, was it fluctuating like it kind of does now, or was it pretty pretty solid? In the 80s, it was very difficult. Okay. That's when construct. I mean, real estate was really down. I mean, we initially tried to get builders involved uh, in building in that area. It was mm-hmm. a new area, kind of unproven. Well, they already had lots they couldn't pay for, much less jump into a new area and buy new lots. So that's kind of how I transitioned into building. So right. building the house to try to sell the lot, mm-hmm. lot and just kind of got in, got going. And then it got a little better through the years. Um, but yeah, starting out, it was very tough. Well, let's talk about the pumpkin farm because I, I'd like to at least let listeners hear, we've talked before about it, but I'd like to let listeners hear sort of the origin story. Um, did it start with you had some land, you know, that was, was there with, with Amberwood? Is, is that how the, the whole idea began? That's how it started. We used to grow alfalfa on that land, and, mm-hmm. and the, uh, Mr. Maxwell, who I started, started back in, in uh, 97, farming that with, yeah, we just kind of got the... There was a fellow go to church with named Brad McCall, and his brother Kevin had a pumpkin farm and still does in Moriarty, New Mexico. Okay. So once I sold Amberwood, I was trying to figure out what's next. Yeah. I mean, what do I do now? So I kind of got somehow connected to to Brad and Kevin. When ended up going over and looking at his his place. I'll never forget that day we went over there. It was the coldest mistiest wet miserable day 
and people were everywhere having a blast. Hmm. So I just thought, okay. So you went during the, uh, during the operation their, season, I During guess. their season. Yeah. So, you know, I just thought, you know, Amarillo, if I grew up here, there's just nothing like yeah, this. Yeah, we didn't have anything like that. Nothing this like this. And I just got real interested in it. And uh, Mr. Maxwell and I got to talking about it. In fact, he went over there with me a time or two after that to look. And and uh, we decided the first year, this would have been in 2007, that we had about five acres right there in front of mm-hmm. this property at Bell and McCormick, and we decided to plant five acres of pumpkins. That's all we did. So we got his old blue Chevy pickup and drove back and forth across that field, and that's how we spaced our rows. All right. Our pumpkin rows. A pickup's width? A pickup's width. <laughs> and uh, we had, had, I think it was his grandson's, uh, we had pumpkin seeds, and we walked along there with a with a broom pole and poked a hole in the ground, mm-hmm. stuck a seed in there, and covered it up. All right, and uh, put the water to it. Nothing fancy there. Nothing fancy at all. I mean, it was pretty primitive. And of course, first year we just didn't know what we were doing. But I'm telling you, we had a great crop, and we advertised. I still got one of the ads on my on my board at in my office. It it was. Uh, five dollars, all the pumpkins you could carry out. Wow. Okay. So people had a blast. I mean, they'd fill their shirts up, whatever they could do. I mean, in one, however many pumpkins they could get in one load, and carry it out of the field. We'd collect their five dollars, and that Which, was it. That's still a pretty good deal. You can't oh, get yeah. that at any of the uh, the pop up, you know, pumpkin stands. That's right. And people had a blast. So, so really, that's after that is kind of really I got more interested in it and. Uh, you know, the fall to me in Amarillo is the prettiest time of the year mm-hmm. around here. So I just uh, got real intrigued with it and just decided, man, let's just let's just go for it. So Mr. Maxwell and I kind of got our heads together, and that thus the name. And and uh, Daryl was involved about three years. He was quite a bit older, and, and it's just going to be too much more than he wanted to do. So he kind of retired. And we'd been around long enough, people recognized the name, mm-hmm. so I just decided we'll name. just keep it going. And, and, of course, every year people ask me, well, who's Mr. Maxwell? So I get to tell that story yeah. every year, but that's okay. But, uh, yeah, he was a great man. We had a lot of fun out there. Just a, It is a lot of work, and he just wasn't quite ready to jump that jump in that hard. So, so we just kept going, and we've just been able to grow a little bit every year. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that that growth because one thing that you know I'm aware of is that you know you go out there every year and there's almost always something new but it just started as literally a pumpkin farm and that drew people in itself but you began adding you know to the spectacle or the experience for people and I wonder like where that came from when did you decide okay we need more than just you know a bunch of pumpkins we need to have some extra stuff sure and of course, there's a network of people, just like I was telling you how that how that works. That people are so willing to help you. But we're we're a member of a group called the Maze, and they're actually out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. So there's an annual convention of pumpkin, pumpkin farmers. farmers. Who would you think? Yeah, who would have thought that? But so I'm telling you, you go to those conventions, and your head is just spinning with ideas and people are so friendly because you're not competing with each other everybody's in their own little niche wherever they are 
And I mean, you just come out of there with so many ideas. My wife is about banned me from going to those because I come back with too many ideas. Ready to spend some money or yes. start some big projects. And or, yeah, yeah, everything costs money. So, but it's so fun to meet people all over the country and Canada and and uh, just see what they're doing and how they're doing it. And like I said, I've called people and people have called me from all over the country. Well, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? They'll get on your website and see something that you did and. And everybody's just really great to share ideas and had you know just communicate and network with each other. And how you know. many of the attractions? I don't, I don't know how you refer to them. The attractions out at Max sure. Pumpkin uh-huh. Farm. That's good. Um, how many of them are the result of something that you saw that was working somewhere else, or things that like you just kind of came up with on your own? You know, I would say, Jason, just probably all of them we saw somewhere. Okay. Now, we might put our little twist on it, just like, for instance, uh, at our apple cannons. Mm-hmm. Last year, we hung some big tractor tires, painted them blue and yellow and red, and and hung them out there for folks to try to shoot those apples through. So everybody will put their little twist, but, of course, apple cannons I learned from somewhere else. Right. I saw them. And, right. And we used to have corn cannons that shoot uh, corn yeah. cobs. I, I was going to say, I've shot that. the corn. I have not yet shot an apple. So. Yes. So the apple is a you need to come shoot some apples because okay, okay. it's a game changer. It's it's uh it's uh shooting corn on steroids for right. sure. Because when you shoot those apples and it hits, it just makes apple juice. There's nothing yeah, left. Exactly. So people have a blast shooting those. So just so many unique activities like that that you're not going to see a lot of places, and and uh, it's been fun. What was the first thing you added? So the very first thing we did, I remember, was built our mountain slides so okay. basically where our campfire sites are is a is a hole now and that dirt is what we use to build our mountain slide right. so i think that was probably the first thing we did was was move a lot of dirt build those mountain slides there's basically two slides that go through that that hill of dirt mm-hmm. and uh, and so i remember that was probably one of the very first things we did do you have a strategy with those kinds of things? Like, are you trying to add one new thing every season to bring people back the next time? Is that part of the growth? Yes, and let me tell you about a group I got hooked up with. Uh, this will be our third year with them called Audience Media Group. Mm-hmm. And they're, uh, they've kind of got a little uh, niche with farms that do what we do. And so they're actually located in Bryan, Texas, down okay. at College Station. So... Um, their whole deal is social media. I'm too old to learn that, mm-hmm. and I and I just I just don't want. I'm too old, <laughs> so they're great in doing that. And and I say all that to say I spent a, a two days with them here recently, kind of coming up with a three, four, five year plan right. on kind of what we want to add each year and and try to kind of get an idea. Yeah, but try to really add kind of one big thing every year, and then two or three, four smaller things is that is that important to bring people back i mean i I, i'm trying to think if if there are customers who come and have so much fun one year and they come back and they think well it was fun last year it's going to be fun this year whether you've added something new or not but are you also thinking that you've got to continue to grow or continue to improve and change in order to to keep those families involved oh i think so and i probably put more pressure on myself for that than i should but I just don't want people to come out and say, well, it was just like it was last year. Mm-hmm. I just don't want that. I want it something new, something they haven't seen. So 
So that's important to me to to have something fresh, and we've done a ton of new stuff this year. But yeah, I like it when people come out and say, "Well, gosh, look what they did this year," and 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 hear that chatter because mm-hmm. I yeah I want it to be something new and fresh every year. When does your season open? So we open September eighteenth, and uh, and this year the cal- the way the calendar falls, we'll go through October thirty first on a Sunday. Okay, uh, Halloween's on a Sunday this year, so. Is there a particular attraction that you're excited about this year that that you want people to know about, or is it like you're going to keep it all under wraps? Oh shoot, no. We, I want. Yeah, no. We'll put that out there. We're. I guess probably the thing I'm most excited about this year that we've we actually get got to see one at another farm is a low ropes course. Oh. So we basically have built nine pergolas and have twelve different rope activities okay. between each pergola and it's all low stuff no, so you don't have to harness people no in. harness no right. helmet i mean if you fall you're not going to fall a foot or two you know so it'll be super fun so that's been quite a project we've been working on that for months you're a you're a finance guy and and so i i'm always interested in a business like this that has basically a, a six or eight week you know season of revenue I mean, how do you how do you handle that? You know, where all of the business happens, you know, within a, a couple months, and then the rest of the year, like, are you just kind of spending the money that you made, or trying to trying to figure out how to retain the money that you made until you get to the next time? I mean, how does that work from a, a business perspective? You don't have to give me like numbers or anything, but like, how do you deal with that? You know, it is it's it's kind of scary every year, and and um, I. Uh, my faith is important to me. In fact, I'm I'm going to get to preach at our church this Sunday, and I'm going to tell a couple of stories about the farm. Hmm. But I've been on my knees more than once out in that field praying for good weather and, and rain. And and it is. It's a short season, and uh, typically the fall weather here is pretty good. But I've, there have been had, some seasons that— We've had that, some tough yeah. weather. I can tell you one story— um, this was several years ago. We got four inches of rain in uh, just a few days. So every th- all the water kind of drains to the southeast part of the property. So I had four two-inch pumps going, pumping it to the bar ditch. Mm-hmm. So I take my pill. You have to gas those pumps up every two hours. So I take my pillow and my blanket and I my pickup, and I make a night of it wow. so I can gas those pumps up. So every two hours, I'd get up and gas the pumps. The water's just getting deeper. Hmm. <laughs> it's raining like crazy. So I'm like, what am I doing? I'll just go home and go to bed. So stuff people won't ever think about that that uh, this happens, yeah. you know. But So we end up renting a big pump that pumped 1,800 gallons a minute. Wow. And that thing ran for four days straight. Wow. So you can do the math. Just pumping it out of that ditch, right? Pumping it out of our parking lot. Or we'd have been shut down for the whole year. So stuff like that happens. You just have to deal with it. Do do the best you can because it's a short season. People want to come. You want them to come. And so you just do whatever you whatever you can to to make it work. And that's why I, I think people probably don't realize is, you know, when you have six or seven weekends that you're operating – and one of those weekends ends up being, you know, one of those occasional really dreary, rainy weekends. Like that's one sixth of your income that, that you kind of just watch go away. One, of course, the three middle weekends in October are typically our busiest, busiest weekends. 
And one year we lost two out of those three weekends hmm. due to weather. So, yeah, that hurts, and it's hard to make that up. Um, so we pray for good weather all year. But it is a – yeah, it's something you just don't know. You have to take it as it comes, and we've had some really pretty years and some not so pretty. <laughs> so – what does your calendar look like? I mean, I, I imagine September, October, probably August are really busy for you. But, like, what happens in November? Well, of course, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, we jumped into the Christmas season last year. So I've been kicking that around for years, and I knew it would be a challenge converting that whole farm from pumpkins to Christmas mm-hmm. in a four-week period. And for whatever reason, I just decided last year was the year to go. We did as much as we could before during that. We were hanging Christmas lights in July when it okay. was 105. And nobody else is thinking about Christmas but but us. But we had to start early. And uh, I'm telling you, Jason, we had a great crowd. I think we just missed two days because of weather. Had something almost 20,000 people go through there at Christmas. Wow. Really, turn. I mean, we had almost half a million lights up. People had a blast. It was really cool to see. And and so I say that to say November, we're crazy busy yeah, now again. getting Christmas stuff up. And then it took us a month to take everything down in January. And then by then, you're starting up. You're starting you're, to you're plow. You're starting to get, prepare for the next so September, it's, October. It's full time. Every year I'll... You know, somebody asked me, well, gosh, you're only open six or seven weeks. What do you do the rest of the year? <laughs> That's crazy because it, it takes all year. And now with Christmas, is a whole nother season. And uh, we've got some fun stuff we're adding to it this year. And and uh, it's going to be a challenge to get it all done. And, and, of course, during our weeks, during the fall, we do field trips. Mm-hmm. And that's been a little different. Last year didn't hardly do any because right. of the COVID. This year we're just scheduling them on Fridays. And we've got quite a few booked, but we'll and hopefully they'll get to come. And uh, so, but the rest of the time during the week in the fall, we'll be working on Christmas stuff probably. What's the uh, what's the biggest challenge that you have throughout the year? Like like what's the one thing that that maybe keeps you up at night? Is it is it the weather? It is the weather. I mean, that's something God's in control of, and we're not. And and it's just every farming is just a challenge every year. There's something different. So the weather's definitely a challenge. You have no con- some things you can control. That's one you just can't. So, so yeah, that's got to be the biggest challenge for me and for other farmers in this area. How important is the actual farming part? Because I think at like some point you've got all these attractions. The fact that oh yeah, there's some pumpkins at this pumpkin farm. I, I, that, people might even lose sight of that because they're just coming to do the ropes and see the goats and the slides sure. and all that stuff. Like, does is that still, in your mind, is that still a central part of the pumpkin farm, growing pumpkins? It is for me. It's kind of interesting. You'll go to some farms, and they don't grow a pumpkin one. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of them could it'd be easier to just buy a bunch of pumpkins. They just haul them in. Yeah. They just haul them in. So, of course, we do a giant maze where we grow hay grazer. I've been to some farms that you could throw a rock from one side of their maze to the other, and it's just small. Mm-hmm. So we still do a pretty good size maze. And to me, in our part of the country, that's I just like that. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine us not growing any pumpkins because people love that experience, going out to the field, riding the hayride to the field, finding, looking through the field, trying to find that perfect pumpkin. And to me... If you just hauled them all in, I think that would 
you'd be missing something. I'm curious, you know, thinking of, of what you do and that, you know, a couple of months of the year, you just get to see all kinds of families, all kinds of people from Amarillo, from all over the panhandle. You know, your work before that, you're building houses, you're dealing with one family at a time. Now you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of families. Like, what have you learned about people or, or what kind of fulfillment have you gotten from interacting with people like that so regularly? Sure. It's fun. We've, I mean, I, that's one of the funnest things to me is going around and just meeting people. Where are you from? Have Have you been here before? So I've met people from Dallas and Oklahoma and Kansas that specifically came just to Maxwell's Pumpkin. Really? So that is so fun for me to get to meet those people. I've met families that have brought their kids from age five or six to high school, and they've got pictures of them. They can show you every year watching yeah. their kids grow up yeah. at Maxwell's Pumpkin Farm. So that's what that's what encourages me and makes it so fun for me to know that families are have made that kind of a tradition, and they'll come every year and watch their kids grow up. And and uh, there's one fellow in particular, he's he, they'll buy season tickets every year, and I I don't think they don't miss a I don't think they miss a weekend. They come every weekend. They come every weekend, and uh, they just love it. It's just been a tradition for them, and and uh, so that's always fun to see people back every year. I mean, 14 years into it, are are you surprised? Are you surprised that you're still doing this? You know, it's hard to know when you jump into something, yeah, what what's it going to become? What's it going to be? We tried when we laid things out initially, tried to plan ahead for what kind of crowds might be. But shoot, I remember the first year, Jason, we'd sit there at the ticket booth waiting for a car to pull up, hmm. wondering when that first car was coming. And now you'll see basically a 10-acre parking lot full the cars. So, I mean, I'm just so thankful. And, and I just, I mean, I'm telling you, I just sit there out at the fence all those busy days and just look at all those cars coming in. And it just gets me every hmm. year thinking, man, God has really blessed us. How many people do you think, like, do, do you count the number of people who visit each season? Sure. So, does, sure. It, does it grow year over year? Weather, depending on okay. the weather. So, last year, you know, it was kind of a different year yeah. with COVID and, and uh, but we were outside. People felt pretty comfortable. So, so really, we had a great year. We had almost forty thousand people come wow. through in the fall, and like I said, about twenty thousand at Christmas. So I couldn't have been more thankful. And people, you know, uh, like I said, we're outside. We had hand sanitizer everywhere. And we're going to do that again this year. So um, we'll do everything we need to do to make people feel more comfortable. And and. Uh, I just wish this virus would go away like everybody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. What do you what do you think about when you look five years into the future, ten years? I mean, do you run out of space to keep adding stuff at some point? Do you do you reach kind of a, a capacity for attractions? I think about that. That's a good question. We've got about eighty acres total. So there's still plenty of room to do some things. But I had my sixtieth birthday in December. That one hit me kind of hard for some reason. And, one, well, I can tell you one reason it did, because my wife, who grew up in Groover, we I didn't talk about her much, but she actually played basketball at Abilene Christian. Mm-hmm. But we didn't actually meet till after I'd already graduated, and she was a year behind me. But we met at a wedding in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, <laughs> wow. Place. Well, so, so anyway, we got engaged on the scriptural day of Valentine's Day in 19... 19- 86 
in uh, March, her dad had a massive heart attack and passed away, and he was 60 years old. Wow. So that birthday really kind of hit me. And uh, so I've, you know, I'm trying to think through, okay, my I've got two boys and a, uh, and a daughter, and uh, none of them live here. My boys are got one in Abilene and one in Midland, uh, and they really haven't had much interest in in the farm. I mean, they work some during the summers, but not as far as, okay, Dad, we want to take this on yeah. and keep it going. So I don't know what, what this will look like. I'm As long as I've got good health and, and still challenging and, and have the passion to do it, I'll keep doing as long as as long as I can. So, But you think of, you know, a guy needs to be thinking about an exit strategy at some yeah, point. Yeah. But, but right now I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and, and uh, just enjoying got some great people that, that help us. Uh, so it, we'll just keep going for now. Hey, Amarillo is sponsored this week by NCW, a local independent risk management agency. Now, I have a number of friends who work at NCW. I know a lot of businesses that rely on NCW for risk management. But here's what really impresses me. This company has been in business in Amarillo for 95 years. That makes it one of the oldest continuously operating businesses in the city. NCW provides a full range of risk management strategies and solutions, including business insurance, group benefits, and personal lines. To learn more, visit ncwriskmanagement.com or call 806-376-6301. This podcast is also sponsored by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist for at least 25 years, and he's my kid's dentist too. He's an expert on Invisalign, using that technology to improve his patient's smiles and positioning. Earlier in 2021, uh, my son Owen finished a stint in these aligners, and he's thrilled with the result. We are too. We're lucky to have Dr. Sauer's knowledge and experience here in Amarillo. To learn more, visit shimandental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. Okay, I'm back with Larry Borger of Maxwell's Pumpkin Farm. Larry, this is part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes a fossil excavation from Hemphill County that has a grouping of rhinoceros, dog, horse, camel, and saber-toothed cat bones. All found in the same place, which wow. I think is fascinating. Wow. I don't know if they all died at the same time or what happened. <laughs> uh, but you can learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, the first question, and, and this is a question I've been asking my guests uh, for the past few months. What's one thing the pandemic or 2020 revealed to you about local people? The first thing, of course, it was a challenge that n- we'd never faced before. So people didn't know for sure how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. It's just the uncertainty of it all, I think it really threw people kind of in a in a mess, not knowing how to deal with it. I guess the one thing I've I've hated about the mask is it seems like it's kind of divided us a little bit. Mm-hmm. You've got some that are just where you just got to wear it, and then you've got others that won't go somewhere if they've got to wear it, and then you've got some that won't go if everybody's not wearing one. So I hate the way the masks have kind of divided. And that's not unique here. That's that's, yeah, that's everywhere. That's everywhere. So. What does this area have too much of? Wind. 
wind. We've got too much wind. There's I'm not playing. a lot blocking the wind from your pumpkin farm where you're no, situated. No, that's right. It wears us out sometimes. You'd think you would get used to it, but it's hard to get used to that wind. So. It's typically not too bad during the fall, but I imagine you're out in it the rest of the season when you're trying to prepare yes. for the fall. And even during the fall, we'll get some of those windy days. We're having to run water trucks around everywhere to try to keep the dust settled down. So that would be the first thing that would come to my mind. What does this area not have enough of? And you kind of alluded to that. Probably not enough trees and not enough water. Okay. Water is so valuable, as we all know. And and uh, and so that would be the two things I wish we had had a little more water and uh, and more trees. And that's the the water issue is is such a funny one because we'll complain about there's not enough water, and then we'll have a weekend like we've recently had where there's like suddenly too much water and it's flooding and. You know, we, we get three or four inches all yes, at once. Yes, all at once. That's or right. Or you're out all night pumping it. You That's know? right. I know it. Yeah. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? I, I imagine you interact with other pumpkin farmers. Uh, you go to these conferences and stuff like that. When they ask you, like, tell me about your area. What are you telling Man, I'm telling you what makes our area to me is the people. The people. I mean, that's the best resource we have is just the friendliness, people, the willingness to help somebody when you need help. I mean, it's just I wouldn't trade our our folks for anybody. Thinking about the people, and I didn't ask you this question. I was, I was curious about it. You know, you're, you've got a pretty big crew, you know, of employees at your farm, but they're employees who are only working, you know, maybe six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. How, how do you – is it hard for you to to hire up every season to prepare for that? You know, as the longer we've been around, the more folks we have that that uh, come back every year to okay. help us. So, so some of my key people have full time jobs doing teaching or whatever else they're doing. Uh, but then we've got uh, so this this is just uh, and it adds to their schedule that they're already busy. But then we've got I love retired teachers. Okay. We've got a lot of retired teachers. Of course, we'll pull a lot of folks from WT, mm-hmm. uh, students, the uh, part-time. People love the fact, I think, that it's seasonal and it gives them an opportunity to make a little money for Christmas or whatever uh, they need. But it's, you know, they it's and it's crazy busy, and we try to prepare them for that, but it's a short crazy busy. Right. So right. you can see the, see the end, but it takes a – on a busy Saturday and Sunday, we'll employ 60, 70 people wow. at a time. So it takes a crew to to run everything. So I'm very thankful for we've got some great helpers and very thankful to and have th- them. And this is a year where a lot of people have been talking about labor shortages and stuff like that. Like, have you encountered that? Has it been hard ramping up to this season? Well, a couple of things we've never done because we're worried about that a little bit. So we had a job fair a couple of weeks okay. ago and had a pretty good turnout. And uh, this Thursday, we're going to be at the job fair at WT. So we're doing a couple of things to try to get our pool of helpers a little bigger than because we're a little worried. We yeah. don't know what that might look like. I think everybody is. And so we just want to try to be as prepared as we can. Okay. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? Okay. I grew up on Mockingbird Lane. All right. And that would definitely be, I've got some great memories on Mockingbird Lane. And uh, that would be my favorite. Every now and then I'll still drive by that street. Years ago, I actually went and knocked on the door we grew on the house I grew up on and just introduced myself. Yeah. 
asked me if I could get a tour of what the house looks like all these years later. They were super nice. And so, yeah, great memories uh, riding the milk truck on the back of the milk truck as he was driving down the street. Oh, just and, the fact that there was a milk truck you could ride on, that, that right. tells people all you need to know, right? So, yeah, that my favorite street for sure. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? Okay, I've probably got two. Uh, of course, way too handy for us is... Green Chili Willies. Right there, yeah. Right there. So we about know all those waitresses by name, and they know us by name. So that's by far one of my favorites. The other one would be uh, Home Plate Diner. All right. I'll take my crew there just about every Friday for lunch, and so that would probably be up there too. Okay. Do you have a, uh, a particular order at Green Chili Willies you get? Oh, the chicken fried steak is hard to beat. Which that's- gravy do you I usually it. just do the plain gravy. I don't okay. do the jalapeno. Yeah, just the plain. So, yeah. All right. That's what I tell people. I, it's one of the best chicken fried steaks. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Okay. Let me tell you my morning schedule. So my alarm goes off at 3.30 Whoa. every morning. Okay. And Are I'm getting close to your bedtime right I, now? <laughs> so I try to get to the gym at Gold's Gym at 4 o'clock. They open at 4.00. So I try to get a workout in, I guess, before I wake up. <laughs> so I'll get a workout in. I get home and change. I'm at the farm by 7. So my coffee shop time, if I have any, it might be on the back porch or on the way to the farm. Okay. So that's... There's there's no time to fit no in No time any of for stops. a coffee shop for me. Got it. And when was the last time you visited Paladura Canyon? Okay. So our daughter has been married about... Uh, Three years, four years, and uh, the last time I can remember going is with her right before she got married. She stayed with us for a few weeks, and we went to Powder Canyon and walked the Lighthouse Trail and just had a great day visiting about everything that was fixing to happen. And kind of interesting you ask. I'm thinking about going back this week. I've mentioned I'm... I'm going to preach my very first sermon this Sunday, and I I think I'll go to Powder Canyon and have some quiet time All right. down there Get before prepared for before that. Sunday. So it's not a bad place for for doing some thinking. Yes. So, but yeah, that's a great great place. Okay, Larry. That concludes our eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guest to endorse something. So, what's one thing that you would want listeners to know about or to experience? You know, just talking about our local area, and, and my wife has a relative that's a dps officer Hmm. so i would like to throw my support to our law enforcement people man they've had a tough time and it just seems like we just need to be more thankful for them and what they do and how they take care of us so if i was going to endorse anybody i think that would be the top of my list just our local law enforcement our first responder folks because man we just need them Absolutely. Larry Borger, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I Thanks appreciate for having it. me. Very good to be here. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Larry for the interview. Maxwell's opens up for the fall season on September 18th. You can go ahead and get your advanced tickets now at maxwellspumpkinfarm.com. And thanks, as always, to Angelina Marie for editing this week's episode. I also want to say thanks to this week's sponsors, NCW. Wick Realty, and Shemin Dental, as well as to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring 8 Straight every week, week in and week out. This podcast exists every week because of listeners like you and especially because of the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash 
Hey, Amarillo's executive producers include Jason Burr, Jess Heredia, Katie Linger, Barbara and Jim Witten, Griselda, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Wilson Lemieux, Patrick Burns, and Wes Reeves. This has been episode 213. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>